again, uh, grateful uh, for this means. Uh, But hear God's word. John chapter 20, beginning with verse 19, our scripture text on this uh, Resurrection Sunday in the sermon title is a resurrection faith, undying peace in Jesus. Hear God's word, John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. And eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. Uh, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for the sure promises of your word. Thank you for sealing us with your Holy Spirit uh, that comforts us with the word of Christ, convicts us of sin, and calls us uh, to faith in Christ. And Lord, we pray that on this Lord's day uh, that uh, your word uh, would be clearly heard, clearly understood, and that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would be deepening our faith or drawing uh, the lost to saving faith in Christ. All to your glory and praise, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Just yesterday, April 11th, 2020, 
was the anniversary of the, the 50th anniversary of the launch of the American spacecraft Apollo 13 and the nearly disastrous deaths of the three astronauts on board. Uh, the original crew of Apollo 13 planned to land on the moon, uh, but three days uh, before Apollo 13 made its trip into space, uh, one of the astronauts that was set to go on the trip, NASA astronaut Ken Mattingly, learned he'd been scrapped from the mission. Actually, he'd been exposed to a virus. Back then, it was German measles, and they were afraid that he would get sick in space and that it would spread uh, to his fellow astronauts, and so he was scrapped from that mission, uh, replaced by an astronaut named Jack Swigert. But the astronauts never made it to the moon. It seems that they experienced equipment failure in space. They lost oxygen, precious oxygen. And if you've uh, seen the movie Apollo 13, you might remember this famous line from the lead astronaut, at least as it's quoted in the movie, uh, Houston, we have a problem. Instead of landing on the moon as NASA had planned, uh, NASA made the hard decision for them to head back to Earth immediately uh, without giving away too much of the plot of the movie. It actually was the uninfected, he never came down with the German measles, but it was the astronaut Ken Mattingly uh, who helped to engineer their safe landing in the Pacific Ocean. I would invite you to turn with me in your Bibles here to John chapter 20, beginning with verse 19. Here uh, we see the risen Christ as he triumphantly stands in the midst of his disciples. He speaks a word of peace to them. While there's initial rejoicing, uh, there's at least one real problem here. Uh, And the problem is there's an absent a disciple by the name of Thomas who struggled with Jesus' resurrection. Uh, We'll also consider the real problems of fear and faithlessness before we see what Scripture teaches us as struggling sinners about how we can be those who possess a resurrection faith and an undying peace in Jesus For as we study this passage from God's word together, I encourage you to to focus on uh, this truth uh, taken, uh, gleaned here from God's word. And the truth is this, the resurrected Jesus still proclaims God's assurance of undying peace for struggling sinners. Well, how can I know then God's assurance of undying peace on this Resurrection Sunday? Uh, We'll see first there's a resurrection presence of the risen Christ. Then there's a resurrection problem. And then it concludes with resurrection peace. Consider first here, John chapter 20, verse 19, the, the resurrection 
promise, a, a presence of Jesus. You know, here's the context in John chapter 20. It's evening of that first resurrection Sunday. Jesus has already risen from the grave. Uh, They raced to the tomb, found that the tomb was empty. Uh, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene, to the other women, to uh, Simon Peter. And now all of the the followers, the disciples of Christ are, are gathered together. And there's a present fear of the disciples. We hear that in verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. You know, here they are. Uh, The doors were locked. Only ten disciples there. Keep in mind, Thomas is not with them. More on that later. Why were the doors locked? Fear of the Jews. Now, these were the Jews who had uh, dragged Jesus to the trial, the Jews who had shouted out, crucify him, crucify him. And, And so there was a real fear there among the early believers, a fear for their own lives. You catch a glimpse of it. Earlier on in John chapter 19, verse 38, at Jesus' burial, John 19, 38, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. You know, without overplaying this, Uh, We see the the disciples are self-quarantined. They're scared. They're they're huddled together on this Resurrection Sunday. And yet, in the midst of of that present fear, you know, uh, we see uh, the striking, sweet, saving presence of the resurrected Christ. Quick shots here in verse 19, scriptural words. You know, Jesus came. Jesus stood among them. Jesus spoke to them. You know, we'll see in these opening verses four ways that the risen Christ provides reassurance to his disciples. He addresses the problem of fear, and it's not only for those first disciples. These are ways that Jesus, the presence of the risen Christ, helps address our struggles with fear. First, Jesus speaks peace. Jesus declared peace. Earlier on in Matthew, uh, we read this John, or in John, John 16, verse 33. John 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus said these things, that in me you may have peace. Jesus declared peace. 
But then Jesus displayed the cost of this peace. He showed them his nail-pierced hands, his spear-pierced side. These, as we sing, these are rich wounds, yet visible above and beauty glorified. Jesus is indeed the crucified and the resurrected Lord. And, and what's the response then of these disciples? Verse 20, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad. You know, they were rejoicing. They were surprised by a sudden and sure joy as they see their Savior. You know, almost instantaneously, you know, when the risen Lord appears in their midst and speaks these words of peace, displays uh, these costly wounds, uh, their, their fear turns to joy. And now for a second time, we read in verse 21, peace be with you. You know, why does Jesus repeat it? Because it's still sinking in. You know, they're, they're slow to understand. But now he gives his disciples a purpose. You know, moving from peace to purpose, he gives them a purpose for jettisoning their fears and exiting their locked room. You know, as the Father has sent me, we read... Even so, I am sending you. They're, they're still there. The doors are still locked. They're still huddled together. And Jesus is, is preparing them for, for what's to come next. You know, there, there's a wonderful scriptural parallel here. God the Father sent God the Son to become flesh. That's how John's gospel starts out. The word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have beheld his glory. And Jesus obediently became flesh, fully God, fully man, truly God, truly man. He lived in perfect obedience to God's law. He died a sacrificial death for our sins on the cross. He was raised again on the third day. And so now Jesus is is equipping his disciples so that they would go forth to share the good news of the gospel. And so Jesus is providing that, that reassurance, addressing their fears, peace, purpose. But then he, he gives them the power of the Holy Spirit, verse 22. And this is a, a striking in, in a sense. You know, this is all ahead of Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, after Jesus' ascension into heaven. We read John 20, verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I'm sure uh, Jesus broke the social distancing rule. They, they could feel his breath upon them. And then he gave this command, receive the Holy Spirit. But Jesus breathed on them. He exhaled on them. 
there's an Old Testament parallel to this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Genesis 2, verse 7, in the days of creation. Genesis 2, 7, we read, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. If God did that at creation, how much greater is this blessing, this wondrous act of grace? Jesus breathing the Holy Spirit here upon his followers. And just to tie it in uh, to Acts chapter 2, why was the Holy Spirit given in Acts chapter 2 on that day we call Pentecost? It, It was so that the gospel would be proclaimed to all the nations. They would hear the gospel in their own language. And the gospel would be spread over all the earth. And and we have a glimpse of that, a gracious glimpse of that here. In in John 20, verse 22, here on, on Resurrection Sunday. And... It's significant as well here. Take a close look at, at, at John 20 there. 21 and 22, there, there's, we see every person of the Trinity at work here. Verse 21, Jesus said to they, them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me. Even so, I am sending you. And when he had said this, he, God the Son, breathed on them. And said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. You know, that that, that presence, not only of the risen Christ with the disciples, but the presence of the triune God here, even in their midst. And finally, there's a proclamation of the gospel. In verse 23, still thinking of the resurrection presence of Jesus. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from many, it is withheld. It's a challenging verse, but uh, looking at it in context, what's this verse teaching us? If if the gospel is front and center here, and Jesus is, is preparing his followers to go forth with the gospel, you know, part of that gospel message is, is preaching the gospel of forgiveness of sins. We declare, you know, in the gospel, that gospel message of forgiveness of sins by the shed blood of Christ. 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 and 9 puts it this way. 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he, that is Christ, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, here it's not the disciples who are doing the forgiveness of sins, nor the church. It's really Christ who forgives our sins. And as the gospel is proclaimed, it's that gospel of forgiveness of sins. 
As we heard earlier in John, John chapter 1, Jesus is that Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John Calvin called this forgiveness of sins through free grace, unmerited, undeserved. We are those unworthy sinners, struggling sinners, dead in our trespasses and sin. And God here gives us that gospel hope of forgiveness of sins. But the flip side of that is, if sinners hear and repeatedly reject the gospel, there's no hope of forgiveness. Give you this uh, story. Uh, Joseph Bailey, a Christian father who suffered uh, the difficult deaths, the loss of three children, uh, wrote a book entitled View from a Hearse, also known as, uh, by this title, The Last Thing We Talk About. In the foreword of the book, he dedicated it to, quote, the memory of three sons, Danny, John, and Joe, who introduced us to death, its tragedy, and its glory. You know, in the book, and it's a short book, uh, he, it's his desire to prepare Christians for the painful reality of death while still proclaiming our gospel hope and peace in our resurrected Savior. And at the very end of the book, he, he has an illustration. He speaks of uh, on, a, on a cold winter day, running out to the mailbox in, in just his short sleeve shirt, no shoes, and grabbing the seed catalog out of the mailbox. And the final sentence then of the book reads as follows. And the first fruit that settles our hope is Jesus Christ, who was raised from death and cold earth to glory eternal. You know, on this Resurrection Sunday, may we as fearful ones gladly hear the gospel. May we hear and see our salvation hope in the risen Christ who still proclaims peace, who still gives us a purpose for living, still gives us the power of the Holy Spirit and the promise of forgiveness in Christ. That's the core part of this passage, but we're not done. Second truth here, there's a a resurrection problem with Thomas just in these two verses, verses 24 and and 25. And if you want to learn more about Thomas, there are a few scriptural snapshots uh, of Thomas who's there at uh, the resurrection of Lazarus. And then we read this in John chapter 14, verse 5. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that's Thomas. And we, it's often asked, why wasn't Thomas there with the other disciples? Scripture doesn't tell us. We can only speculate. Maybe he was in great anguish. Wanted to grieve all alone. Maybe he was AWOL. Maybe he was more scared than the others. But uh, here, 
they're gathered. Thomas is with them, verse 24. And the disciples tell Thomas, well, we have seen the Lord. You know, others had seen the risen Lord, but now these ten disciples have seen the Lord. And and now we have the skepticism of Thomas. I prefer that to doubting, although we generally know him as doubting Thomas. Leon Morris calls him a robust doubter. Uh, I like that expression. Um, He sets terms. Uh, Note what he says there, verse 25. Especially here, the personal pronouns. Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. And that last part is a little bit defiant, it seems. I will never believe. You know, unless this happens, I will never believe. Here we see that Thomas demands visible proof of the crucified Christ before he will believe in the resurrected Christ. You know, have you ever heard someone say, I could never believe in Jesus' resurrection? Often it's an academic atheist, an affluent agnostic, a proud pagan, Sometimes it's those who are uh, simply satisfied with the riches of the world. Think of Jesus' parable in Luke 16, the rich man and Lazarus. Or it could be the one who has suffered a painful loss. They've lost a child, a spouse. They've been through a bitter divorce. Suffering from a terminal illness. There are some today who would say, well, you know, how can there be a God, a good God, a gracious God, you know, with this pandemic virus? You know, and just in past days, we've just here in the United States, the death toll has passed 20,000 and growing. Well, how do we respond to real doubts with struggling sinners? I believe there's two responses. Here's the application. One, we show them the real doubt of Thomas, that robust doubter. Or if you want an Old Testament example, think of Job. We could point them to the Psalms of Lament. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We could... Let them listen to the honest hymns of the faith. Oh, come and mourn with me a while. But secondly, and more importantly, I believe, plainly proclaim the truth of the gospel. Yes, we have painful struggles with sin. Yes, we have a real need for a Savior. And and then show them the resurrected Christ. As scripture reveals him there in John 20, verse 19 through 23. The resurrection of, resurrection presence of Jesus. A resurrection problem with Thomas. And finally, a resurrection peace. The resurrection peace of Jesus in verse 26. Eight days later, in uh, Reckoning back then, that would be a week later, so if they were gathered together on the evening of the first day of the week, Sunday, now it's the Sunday after Resurrection Sunday, 
almost a mirror image. His disciples were inside again. Differences, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. No mention of fear, but it seems still to be the underlying emotion. And here is the reappearance of Jesus. Almost a mirror image of verse 19. Jesus came. Jesus stood among them. Jesus spoke. You know, for the third time, they're hearing this proclamation, prayer of Jesus, peace be with you. You know, it's more than a greeting. Peace is more than the absence of conflict. Peace is a relationship word. It speaks of God graciously reconciling struggling sinners. God redeeming us by the shed blood of Christ. You know, we are loved, we are forgiven, we are at peace with God through faith in Christ. To give you two quick scriptural examples, Romans 5 verse 1 and 2. Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. One more scriptural example, Colossians 1, 19 and 20. For in him, that is in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So we see it's a costly peace. Required the death of Christ, the shed blood of Christ, son of God. But it's a certain peace. And finally, I believe there's a comfort to this peace. But Jesus isn't done with Thomas yet. Jesus commands Thomas. In fact, Jesus commands mirror Thomas's doubts. You can see it there in verse 27. You know, put your finger here, Thomas, and and in your mind's eye, you can envision Jesus doing. Put your finger here. See my hands, Thomas. And now he takes it a step further. Put out your hand. Place it in my side. You know, why Jesus' side? You know, going back to verse 34 of John 19, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, And at once there came out blood and water. You know, this is the side, Thomas. You know, the cleansing, costly blood of Jesus poured out from this side. You know, put your hand here, Thomas. And then finally he says, do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas, quit being faithless. Start being faithful. I believe Thomas was a believer here, but he was struggling in his faith. And Jesus calls him to a resurrection faith. It sounds in my ear almost like Jesus calling Lazarus out of the tomb. You know, Lazarus, come forth. Thomas, Stop 
You're disbelieving, start believing. You know, it's a gracious call to faith. Matthew Henry puts it this way, be not faithless, for if we are faithless, we are Christless and graceless, hopeless and joyless. Let us therefore say, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And you've got to love verse 28. You know, look at the the dramatic spiritual transformation in Thomas. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. There's a genuine confession of faith. Almost like Peter in Matthew 16. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But even a little bit more personal, Lord, you're, you're my Lord, you're, you're my God. And this struggling skeptic suddenly and surely is transformed into an unashamed witness for Christ. That's what God's grace can do. And Jesus gently challenges Thomas's resurrection faith to make sure it's real. Have you only believed because you've seen me? And then Jesus goes on, blessed, happy, joyful, content are those who have not seen and yet believed. And that would include us. We've not seen the risen Christ, certainly not put our fingers in the nail prints, our hands in his side. But hear what 1 Peter says, 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. And I'm sure Peter was thinking of this scene in John 20. Though you have not seen him, that is the Christ, you love him. Though you do not see him, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You know, that's us. You know, we've not seen, and yet the risen Lord calls us to that resurrection faith. He still calls out to struggling sinners, struggling sinners like you, struggling sinners like me. You know, this Sunday, you know, preachers, congregations look forward to Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday throughout all the year. One of the most joyful days of of worship, church where I grew up, we had a sunrise service, and our preacher then, Dr. McKeel, it was right at sunrise this morning. That would have been 6.44 a.m. here in Opelousas. Then we had breakfast at church, and we had Sunday school, morning worship, went home for Sunday dinner. My mom usually made lamb, if not lamb, ham. Then we went back to church for youth groups and Sunday evening worship. It was a full Lord's Day, a joyful Lord's Day. And here we are, April the 12th, 2020, Resurrection Sunday, live streaming Sunday school worship service, distant from one another, difficult. 
going to try something new this afternoon. We're going to Zoom with others in our church family while we eat our lamb together. Call my wife if you want to join us. But that resurrection faith in Christ never fails. The abiding presence of a risen Christ, the assurance of peace with Christ, the anticipation of a home in heaven because of Christ's death for our sins, his resurrection of the grave. And and let me close with a question for you all. Do you have a resurrection faith in Jesus? Do you want to know how to possess that undying peace, that gracious assurance of salvation in Christ? Here it is in Scripture, God's Word. And it's our prayer that you would know that all of you would know that undying peace, that resurrection faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you. We thank you that we serve, worship a risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that Jesus is coming again one day to bring his beloved and blood-bought children home to glory. But in the meantime, Lord, may we not only know your peace, peace even in uh, quarantine, but Lord, we pray that you would be pleased to use us, that you would send us out to share this good news of the gospel with a fearful, hurting, dying world all around us. A world that needs to hear that gospel message of salvation by grace through faith in Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.